Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And what's up? Welcome in. We are live from Still Hands Brewery. It is very bright, as you can say, but a beautiful day as we get ready for South Carolina, Mississippi State, and for Fan Fest here tonight. Lots going on. We'll tell you about that as the show goes on. Give our final thoughts here on South Carolina versus Mississippi State. And we're now going to bring in our special guest to preview South Carolina, Mississippi State, and give us some Mississippi State feedback. We got Bo Bounds from the Out of Bounds show. I was on the show earlier this week. Bo repaying the favor today. Bo, how we doing today, man? Appreciate you taking the time. What's up, guys? I'm doing well. How are y'all? We we are great. Uh, it is a beautiful day here in Columbia. It's supposed to be great weather tomorrow. It looks like a beautiful day for you there too, man. So uh, yeah, we appreciate you. Oh yeah, appreciate you taking the time. I guess first and foremost. Uh, Give us the big picture. What do Gamecock fans, if they have not laid one single second of film review of Mississippi State at this point, what do they need to know about this Mississippi State football team? Uh, Major work in progress. So, look, guys, with with the passing of Mike Leach, you know, they were on schedule. Things were looking good. Uh, They won nine games last year, and Leach passes away, and it's just, uh, you know, major transition. Zach Arnett was named the the head coach. Obviously, Leach was the offensive coordinator, too. And so it's a lot of um, question marks. That's that's nothing against Zach Arnett. Uh, The whole staff got thrown into a tough spot. so, yeah, I, this is a team that has no idea who they are. Um, offensively, they're doing something night and day from the air raid. And defensively, I thought they'd be pretty good, and they, they've been really bad. So, I, I think it's – when I look at the matchup, I think it's two teams that aren't any good. Um, uh, you know, can they turn the corner? Maybe. Um I think Spencer Rattler is the difference tomorrow night. Um, he's a uh, heck of a football player and has to do it all by himself. So could Mississippi State win? Yes, but I don't see it. Um, this is a great opportunity for South Carolina because this program losing Mike Leach and all the transitions going to be it could be uh, it could be a pretty tough transition for a while. Oh, thanks for joining us again, Chris Clark here. So um, I, let's start Let's start with offense since you mentioned it. And bigger picture question that doesn't necessarily have to do with the game, but from covering the program there, why do you think Zach Arnett decided not to stay in the Air Raid family with, you know, a Mike Leach disciple or somebody who is more familiar with that system that obviously had been working quite well 
Kevin Barbet arrived with a good resume, obviously, from App State, but like you said, totally different. And it seems like maybe just from my outside perspective, maybe that could have eased the transition a bit uh, to, to the new coaching staff or to a coaching staff that was still familiar. But why did, why did he go kind of outside the tree? Well, I, I think a couple of things. Um, you know, nobody runs the air raid. I didn't know this until four years ago or three plus years ago when Leach was uh, hired. And we got to know Leach real well. I mean, he's the guy that will go out, have steaks with you and have drinks with you. And he'll answer his phone anytime you call him, all that. We got to hang out with him at the NFL draft and stuff like that last year. Um, so nobody runs the the pure air raid. And so they were going to have to do something different, something in the whole spread family, which everybody, as y'all knows, running the spread. It's just 200 variations of it. Um, and, and I think the quarterback that they've had, Will Rogers, who is a, um, who's been a good player at times, um, the air raid was perfect for him, you know, in the gun, snap the ball, make, make a read or two, get it out of his hands quick. Um, I think what Arnett and the crew want to do, wanted to do is more, you know, find a, a, a quarterback with mobility. Um, run the ball more and um, get a little bit more balance, not 50-50, but a little bit more balance. So, I mean, guys, this is uh, – yeah, I don't know if Will Rogers can run this offense. It's not his fault. He, again, he had nothing to do with what happened last December. It's not Kevin Barr baseball. It's just this is year one. We'll see if Mike Wright, um, you know, plays more tomorrow. Um, I think he could give them a chance to move the football, but they may not. Yeah. You know, this thing may just be a, a disaster in year one and it may take, it may take a little while for this to get going. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't think you could name, there wasn't anybody on Leach's staff who could be offensive coordinator. Um, because everything that Leach does is here. He, he's, Graham Harrell, y'all know who Graham Harrell is. He played quarterback Texas Tech. Yeah, yeah. Offensive coordinator Southern Cal and other spots. Um, he came on the show when Leach was hired. He said nobody runs air raid, and it's it's Mike Leach runs it, and it's it's up here. It's it's just one of the. It's why the guy was um, on the spectrum. Um, he's just brilliant. And uh, I think they're going to struggle this year, man. And, and this is a great opportunity. I think South Carolina wins the game. Uh, if you don't, I'd be furious because you're catching a Mississippi State team that has no identity and wounded. But then again, I don't think, you know, other than Rattler, I, I, I think y'all are average on defense, although you may look spectacular tomorrow. But I think <laughs> you're average on defense. And offensively, I think your offensive coordinator's average. And uh, Spencer Rattler is – really, he's the whole thing. I mean, he parks cars, sells concessions, and tries to score. Um, and he's got a lot on him. I've seen that in Mississippi, too. But we're, we're a lot of the same program, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, South Carolina, Arkansas. Yeah, every now and then you can bottle a good year. But you got to have a dude at quarterback, and you all do, but you just don't have good offensive coaching. 
Bo, uh, let's go to the other side of the ball. Uh, this three-three-five defense, uh, it, it's been a big discussion piece this week, you know, at least among fans and media and how it's a little bit different than what a lot of teams do. South Carolina actually pretty familiar with it. They ran it in the early 2000s with Charlie Strong. Uh, you can go all the way back to the days of Joe Lee Dunn, both at South Carolina and Mississippi State. Yeah. Um, what can you tell us about the three-three-five in terms of um, what problems it could present to South Carolina, but also um, what what has been the biggest struggle for Mississippi State on that side of ball of the ball? Oh, I'll make it simple. Um, they can't get to the quarterback, and last year they had a kid named uh, Tyrus Wheat who could come off the edge. So far to date, guys. They don't have anybody that could get to Spencer Rattler, which means he can either, you know, kind of figure out what he wants to do, depending on what the play call is. Or if things break down, Spencer's athletic enough um, to hurt you. So they haven't been able to stop anybody. I don't, I thought, I mean, they're bringing back a bunch of starters. I thought they'd be better, but they can't get to the quarterback. Jaden Delora with with Arizona, who's awesome, by the way. And Jaden Daniels, who's good, but they made him look like Patrick Mahomes last week. Um, did whatever they wanted for the most part. So they don't have a pat. They don't have anybody who can get to the quarterback. And when they blitz, they're not getting to the quarterback. And that's a problem. That's why I could see, you know, I don't know, 24-14 game or something like that. But if you had to say, so I'm gonna give you kind of a two two loops into one. I watched the LSU Mississippi State game, and you know Will Rogers had, if you count the bowl game, just shy of 4,000 yards last year. He had 38 touchdowns, seven picks. He had a great year. I know a lot of that gets credited to Leach. He was kind of a quarterback whisperer. His system was great for that. But Will Rogers is also a pretty talented dude. I watched the LSU game, and yeah, he was under fire some. But he was struggling, even when he had time, I thought, to make some short and intermediate throws. I mean, he, he seemed really, really off. I think he was under 40% completion rate in the game. So, what do you attribute that to? What Was Leach's system even more? Should we give that even more credit than we have? And then secondly, if you had to predict, do we see more Mike Wright in this game? I know you mentioned the possibility. Well, he better play more. Um all right, so let me start with Will Rogers. Uh, I want to give Will credit. He got thrown in the mix as a true freshman uh, because of his upbringing. His dad was a coach. He's smart. His football intellect, uh, he was able to come in and do, uh, be productive with Leach's air raid. Got a little bit better sophomore year last year. Had a pretty good year. Um I don't want to downplay all the stats, guys, but when you sling it 50 times a day, a game, um, in an offense that is set up for you to complete passes, especially short and intermediate, um, your numbers are going to look good. I mean, Leach has had countless guys that weren't that talented in the in the in the grand scheme of things that had been able to put up big numbers because again I'm look at what what was it Bruce Feldman said he had the 
uh, the biggest impact on the offensive side of the football the last 25 years? Because y'all know this, guys. People in high school tonight, college tomorrow, and NFL Sunday, they're going to run air raid concepts. They're not going to run the air raid because Leach was the only one who ran it or knew how to run it. Um, so I don't want to take anything away from Will, but they got to play Mike Wright so that Mike Wright can help Will and make Will better, and Will can make Mike Wright better, and then both of them can make this offense better. Uh, but I do think that they should play Mike Wright more because he is mobile or has mobility and when plays. Look, guys, if, if anything breaks down, Will can't – he's just this – isn't, this isn't Will's fault. This is just how he was born. Will can't extend a play, guys. He can't move around. That's why the, the air raid was great. In the shotgun, in the gun, take the snap, boom, get it out of your hands. Um, so that's that's the deal, and that's why I think uh, South Carolina wins tomorrow. Well, I was about to ask for a prediction, but um, <laughs> there it is. I, I guess real quick, what, uh, what can you tell us about Woody Marks and kind of a scouting report of him. Uh, the South Carolina defense coordinator, Clayton White, basically said this is a prototypical SEC back, very highly complimentary of him. I know he's had a big year so far. Uh, that, to me, if there's one guy on the Mississippi State roster that concerns you if you're South Carolina, it, it's this kid. So what can you tell us, uh, you know, getting to watch him day in, day out? Uh, what's your scouting report of him, Bo? Good question. He's a hell of a football player. Um, I mean, he's good. He, he, he's, uh, he runs hard, uh, physical, can catch the ball out of the backfields, played a ton of football. He had to start as a true freshman along with Will Rogers. So he's been playing a long time. Um, but look, if, the, if your defense only has the key on him, you know, you'll be fine. Even though I don't, again, I don't, your defensive number. Now you played a, Tough schedule. I mean, North Carolina is a pretty good team, and Georgia's awesome. Uh, so I do want to give y'all credit that, you know, you, you play two out of three tough teams, and one's fantastic. But uh, Marks can play, man. He can. And, and yeah. I think he's what the NFL's looking for now in this day and age because he can catch the ball out of the backfield. Mm -hmm. Awesome, Bo. Hey, good stuff, man. Everybody out there listening, watching, check out out of bounds with Bo Bounds. I've just pulled it up. It's on all the podcast platforms. Um, man, hey, we appreciate the time, as always, and uh, enjoy the game on Saturday, all right? Yeah, you guys have a great weekend. Thanks so much for having me. Y'all take yeah, care. Any, anytime, Bo. Thank you, man. Appreciate you. Good stuff there from Bo Bounds, uh, giving us the Mississippi State perspective, Chris. And uh, this is going to be two-guest Friday, by the way. Um, wow. Understand we are going to be – joined by our good buddy Chris Pascal, also uh, our columnist um, on Gamecock Central once a week. Uh, so he's going to be providing, on a fairly regular basis, the fan perspective here on GC Live. But, Chris, uh, we didn't get to talk about it before we went straight on out to Bo. So real quick, this show is, as always, presented by our buddy Clint Hammond, Movement Mortgage, clinthammond.com. 
If you're in the market for a home, hey, just give Clint a chance to earn your business. He is a mortgage broker here in Columbia, but throughout the great state of South Carolina, he can help you out with that process. ClintHammond.com, 803-771-6933. And Bake says our mic is out. Uh-oh. So, it's probably not good, Wes. I know. Maybe it's a bake problem. It, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully it's just your problem and not ours. But I'm, I'm well, thinking but we gotta let bake hear us. I'm, I'm thinking that he's probably right because in about two seconds, everybody's gonna say the mic is out. Uh, can can y'all hear us? Give us, give us a thumbs up or a thumbs down on that. Um, Justin says it's good. All uh, right, it is a bake problem. <laughs> Oh, man, bake. Come on, bake. And bake a new subscriber. Bake some new subscriber. He'll just have to read it, I guess. Instead. <laughs> Refresh your YouTube or whatever. Yeah, you're on YouTube. Um, all right, we're good. ClintonHammond.com. Uh, Chris is pulling up a tweet he wants to share with everybody, <laughs> I think. Wes has been eyeing my tweet. No, I want to see what he was searching for. So, um, Bo hit at something that it, it keyed in my mind. Hey, I saw a good tweet from, or a good X, a good post. No, it's a tweet. It's still it's a tweet. A tweet. From Will Helms, Will is going to deep dive on the analytics, big time, right yeah. on the on for GamecockCentral.com. So, um, here's the important part of the tweet: Mississippi State, according to his metrics, has the lowest pass rush win rate in the SEC by a large in all caps. I was about to say that's a capped large large, large margin, and has just one player with an above-average pass rush grade on true pass sets. And that, Wes, is a safety who has just two snaps on pass rush, you would presume, a blitz by that safety. So that does give statistical confirmation to what Bo, who you know covers Mississippi State on a daily basis, to what he has seen through the first three games, and that is that they have struggled getting to the quarterback. We know that this 3-3-5 will throw you some different looks. And it can be disruptive, Wes, whether it's in the run game, getting into the backfield and disrupting things. If you let it, it can do so in the passing game. But they haven't really been able to get anything going in pass protection. That, to me, Wes, seems just like what the doctor ordered. Now, on the other hand, this is a USC offensive line that let North Carolina – I mean, Common Rucker is getting a lot of love nationally for what he's done. He's a really good player. He had, I think, two and a half sacks of those nine for South for North Carolina against the Gamecocks. It is also fair to say, and must be pointed out, this is a retooled South Carolina offensive line since that night. There are some differences in terms of personnel in this O-line. So, point is, uh, Mississippi State has struggled getting to the quarterback. That would seem to bode well for South Carolina, but you've got to – remember last week, Wes, how you kept talking about how South Carolina had to make that advantage matter with Spencer Rattler. Sometimes it did matter, not in terms of the win. This one, you got to make sure it matters. Um, and, and I think you've got to be able to use some success in the passing game to set up the run today. Not sustain, not today, tomorrow. Not sustainable for the Gamecocks to continue going throughout this season having a rushing attack that's producing 50 yards. Yeah. Yeah, give or take. Yeah. Um, so, Chris, I, I think that Bake says, uh, uh, blame your wife, Bake. It's not nice. Um, <laughs> luckily, I, I honestly, I my heart, like, dropped for a second because I've, I've had trouble with this mic. So, I, I believed you, Bake, but I'm, I'm glad that we're not having this issue because I don't know how we would have fixed it off the fly. But, all right, so, Chris, I keep – I'm going to just keep repeating myself, but okay. – 
I, I, I do think this is a day where Rattler, like he, he, he should be able to have another big night. I think. Now, I think the difference in South Carolina wins by two scores. South Carolina wins by maybe more, or South Carolina fans are like concerned the entire game is whether or not they can slow down Woody Marks. Like, I, I, I think, like, on both sides, there's one person, with it being Rattler on one side and Marks on the other, there's one person for each defensive coordinator that they're writing that name and circling it and saying, this is the guy we don't lo- want to have the headline. So this is the person we don't want to beat us. And based on not just the talent level of those individuals, but also on the issues for those respective defenses, you look at the fact Mississippi State has not gotten pressure on the quarterback, as you just demonstrated, with the fact that when there's been no pressure on Rattler, like, I mean, he's been good regardless, but when there's been no pressure, um, I mean, he's been on another planet, I feel like, as far as just getting the ball out, moving it around, completing passes. And so, but the other side, man, I've seen South Carolina defensively just at times struggle to get off the field against good running games when the other team does not turn the ball over. And if I'm Mississippi State, their fans are obviously won't need to score more points, won't need to be a little more explosive, all this stuff. I'm sitting there saying, I'm going Lou Holt style, <laughs> grind this thing out, yeah. do not turn the football over. I think, I think South Carolina needs to turn them over a time or two. If they if they can do that tomorrow, then I think South Carolina can actually win in a blowout. If they don't turn them over, then I think it's going to be potentially grind it out for Mississippi State, shorten the game. The new clock rules have allowed you to do that even more. So I, I think that's going to be a huge factor in this matchup. I think if Mississippi State is smart, Wes, they will, I, I do love your comparison to, and, it, and it's a bad comparison if you're South Carolina, if it played out this way, um, the Missouri game last year, right? Like Missouri had a great game plan. They came in and said, we're going to play it safe. We're not going to take a lot of risks. We're going to really – we're going to come out and run the football. We're going to throw the ball horizontally. Come tackle us. Come stop mm-hmm. it. Here it is. Come stop it. And it's not like they lit up the scoreboard, but they certainly moved the football. They played great defense. They didn't make mistakes. They played South Carolina even on special teams. And they ended up winning the football game, right? Very disappointing game for the Gamecocks. So I, I – I think it's a different Spencer Rattler than last season, as you pointed out. But the concerns, I think, as far as the running game and perimeter tackling, I think they're still there. And I think we've still seen uh, issues with that against the two two really good opponents in North Carolina and Georgia, right? But if Mississippi State comes out and has a similar approach of, hey, we're running Woody Marks. Hey, we're putting in Mike Wright sometimes. Mm. We're going to let him run the football. Um, And we're going to throw to the perimeter and not take a lot of risk and not uh, try to keep Will Rogers upright with five step drops and throwing the ball downfield. You know, play action passing. If they come out and that is their plan, and if South Carolina struggles, then I think this game could quickly become a struggle. Yeah, you look at that game last year, man. Missouri, and they they really did. It felt like, like in my mind, looking back at the game, it's like, man, they ran all over South Carolina. Statistically, they actually didn't. Yeah, but. 
what they did do was they just said we're going to be hard-headed. And they ran the ball 43 times and only threw it 26. A good bit of those throws were not down the field. Um, You know, 43 carries for 143 yards is not a dominant day on the ground. Now, you take out some negative yardage in there, but still, that's just saying, look, we're okay. We're okay punting even if if we're Missouri. So, um, I, I think that's probably your best approach if you're Mississippi State. Now, unfortunately for Mississippi State, they've gotten hit on the wrong side of the transfer portal. And uh, Rara now plays for Georgia. And uh, Dominic Lovett, who was the guy making big plays for Missouri after the catch, and I think he had one or two down the field in this game as well, had 148 yards receiving. He's he's at Georgia now, so with Rara as teammates. But but point being, does Mississippi State have that guy? They throw the ball out there that's just dynamic about making you miss. Maybe maybe not. So you know, I, I think you look at this game. It sets up pretty well for South Carolina. Um, if the offense, you know, you ever you ever go into a game, and this is something I don't even know if it's always shown in the stats, but just the flow of the game, you kind of get the feeling who's who's controlling this game, and it can be, let's say in this example, it could be South Carolina's offense, South Carolina's defense, Mississippi State's offense, or Mississippi State's defense. There's four options of who's kind of just controlling the flow of everything. And then all the other three sides kind of have to respond Mm -hmm. to that. If you're South Carolina, you win the toss, take the football. I think you want Spencer Rattler and the South Carolina offense to be controlling the flow, the pace, the score, to be controlling everything in this game. That's a great point. I mean, it goes back to the thing. I mean, I, I hate saying it because it has become a cliche, but you don't want a slow start in this game. You don't want Mississippi State to have one of those drives that we've seen in the past where they're just, you know, the first third down of the game is a third and three. They convert it, and then they just march down the field. All of a sudden, it's a touchdown, and now mm-hmm. you're playing from behind. You don't want that. I think your ideal scenario is just what you said, Wes. You take the ball if you can to score. If you don't have the ball – Get a stop and go score. Just makes such a big difference. A few stats, Wes, about it. We heard from Bo earlier. He was he was down on both offenses, obviously. Um, but Mississippi State's offense, man, they struggled against LSU. Will Rogers, as I said, under 40%, I think, passing. But here's some other ones for you. They only ran, to your point, about a specific side or a phase of the game for a team controlling the tempo. Mississippi State only have 50 offensive plays in the football game. 50. Can't win a game like that. Uh, they had a long stretch. I think Josh Pay pointed out from uh, 24-7. They, they had 11 plays that were uh, negative yards for no game in a row. Right? Very, very hard to do that, uh, but they did it. Wes, they had one first down up until their final drive of the second quarter. They finally got a touchdown on the strength of a Woody Marks 52-yard run that finally put them in range to go score. Other than that, they really struggled to move the football. So it kind of goes back to what Shane Beamer talked about after the Georgia game, and he was talking more about penalties, but making them earn it, that's where you got to go with this Mississippi State team. You've got to make them earn it uh, because they have not shown that they can drive the field 
on quality opponents over and over and over so far this season. I'm I'm very curious to see how how has this offense for South Carolina or defense for South Carolina, excuse me. South Carolina's defense against Mississippi State's offense. How have they continued to make progress? And um you know, I, I personally don't think this is the same defense as last year. I think there are some improvements in the run defense. And, you know, you, you're always sort of in football, it's so matchup-based, man, that I feel like it's tough to get a great um, – oh, we're getting prizes here. Thank you. Thank you, Ashley. Ashley from Still Hands. Uh, they've got a great night planned for you here tonight uh again y'all come on out chris what, what do we got there man so this is their new uh newly canned doppelbach and uh if if you're one of those people that likes tasting notes wes i have some for you <laughs> toasted malts with rich notes of caramel and toffee and this one i have not been able to dive into yet but i have heard independently uh, it is phenomenal so Seven point five percent. So be careful with that. Not maybe not a, maybe not the sandstorm game day approach with this yeah. one. Be not careful with that sixer there, yeah, man. Be careful with the sixer. Um, yeah, appreciate Ashley. Appreciate Steel Hands. They are awesome. Hope says that sounds good. Yeah, come on out. They got a lot going on. Of course, they got Steel Hands Lager here as well. But I I swear I had a point in there. I got distracted by the bruise. But Chris South Carolina's defense. Yeah. Matchup based, right? So I feel like you, you play a firm and you look back and you're like, okay, they actually stopped the run like statistically very well in that game. Even though if it felt like a couple, you know, it felt like early in the first half, you're like, man, Furman's moving the ball a little bit. Um, but then Georgia game, you know, not that Georgia's offense is necessarily quite on the level with what they were last year at this point this season, yeah. but dude, you're out there. Five stars across the board. Um, it's just always a tough matchup for you. I'm curious to watch South Carolina's defense tomorrow against another sort of not the bottom but not the top type SEC team yeah. and starting to learn where South Carolina may fall within kind of that middle ground yes. of the conference. And, you know, a team I, I think you've recruited better than, frankly, mm -hmm. if you're South Carolina. So – I, I want to see South Carolina's defense, those linebackers. I want to see about four of them instead of two of them, Ro you know, rotating in, I mean, two at a time, rotating in. Um, defensive front continuing to come along. And I want to see if we're sitting there texting about midway through the second quarter saying, man, they're filling their gaps and stopping this running game. Or are we saying Mississippi State is just, kind of pounding away at this defense well it, so there's a lot of points in there you made so i want to make a bigger picture one about this being a measuring stick game but first you know the first thing you got to do Wes, is you don't want to be i can't remember the number of defensive snaps in the north carolina game off the top of my head i know i think it was 80 against georgia because debo williams played every right, all 80 right warrior by the way yeah and look that showed um in the second half it became more for South Carolina of a field position deficit game. Um, it became more of a Georgia's grinding out some third downs and they're starting to run the football better game. So if you're, you're the Gamecocks, that's, that's a couple obvious improvements you need, you need to make. In the second half, if Mississippi State's goal is to run the football, first thing you got to do is get off the field, right? 
getting favorable early down in distances, put them put them in second and 12, put them in second and 10, third and eight, and then get off the field. Um, if not, you're going to find yourself in that range of being at 70 plays, 80 plays. Your defense is fatigued. We saw that against North Carolina. We saw that against Georgia. Will we see it against Mississippi State? That's a question they have to answer, Wes. You know, game one against North Carolina, it was a measuring stick game. Uh, they didn't pass the test. We knew that Furman and Georgia, yeah, we would learn some things about this team, but it wouldn't tell us one way or another the trajectory. That we, we constantly said since, since like, Furman week, hey, the mm-hmm. next time we're really going to know about this team is Mississippi State, and, and here it is. Yeah, and I, I so I've learned all last year and then going into this year, I say that a lot. Oh, we don't know much about them yet. We don't – I – I'm going to cut myself off from saying that anymore. At, week four. At, after this after this week. Now, it's matchup-based. Yeah. After this week, we're not allowed to say that anymore. Well, you can say it, but I'm personally not going to allow myself to say, oh, we don't know yet. Like, we're going to know something. We're going to know something after this week. We're going to know even more after South Carolina, Tennessee on the road, I think. But I do think, to an extent, you're constantly gathering data. And – the crazy thing about how matchup based football is, dude, you can watch your team and be like, we're the best team I've ever seen against one team. And then you can watch them play another team and be like, we're the worst team I've ever seen. Like every football fan out there, no matter what team you pull for, has had that feeling. A lot of it is based on in the trenches, you know, can they push you around outside? Can you match up the speed and quickness of your opponent? So, um, all right, y'all. This is two guests Friday. We're going out to our guest line now. He uh, he's rocking a BP Skinner suit. I can tell. It is our boy Chris Pascal. Christopher, how you doing, man? I'm doing excellent. How are you boys doing? We are good. Well, we're already at still hands, so we're already right. one step ahead of you, man. We're uh, we're doing pretty well right now. Chris obviously writes our weekly column. The verdict presented by Goings Law Firm. And uh, Chris, you're going to give us the Gamecock fan perspective today, if you will, I think is where we start. And, um, but, but also, I want to talk about the column. So, first and foremost, where, where you, you Gamecock fans you talk to? I know you got a group chat. I think knowing you, you probably got several group chats right. going. Um, I hate the term must win, man. I, I think it's silly. But how, how important do you think it is among the fan base for for Shane Beamer and these guys to be saying we're two and two through four as opposed to one and three? I, exactly what you just said right there, which is um, it feels silly. It almost feels ridiculous to say that it would be a must win. And I don't think it's a must win in terms of um, the external outside thoughts of the program, whether it's recruiting, opposing fan bases, outside media. I don't think it's a must win, but um, I was talking to one of my buddies earlier today. It's kind of a almost an unfair uh, truth, which is it's year three. And when it's year three, you don't get blown out by Georgia. And we didn't get blown out, blown out by Georgia. In year three, you beat teams like Mississippi State. And that might be unfair to to say in year three you have to beat a team like Mississippi State, but um, that's kind of the reality of the situation right now. And so um, I think in terms of internal 
uh, uh, perspective, internal thoughts on where the, the program is, you have to win this game. I don't think outside, if we go six and six this year, I think if we go uh, maybe even five and seven, seven and five uh, this year, the out, the external expectations, the external narrative, um, I still think is relatively positive uh, for South Carolina. But internally, for this fan base, it's tough to tell this fan base, hey, you got to get fired up when you go into Knoxville one and three, when you come into Florida one and four, when you leave Florida one and five. If those types of things happen, it's going to be tough for uh, the fan base to, to stay as energetic as it is. I think tomorrow night's going to be a very um, high energy electric atmosphere. And so you got to, in terms of internally, keeping the fan base fired up, keeping them motivated, having these sellout type games, you got to win uh, tomorrow night in terms of um, internally uh, for the fan base. So um, I think it is somewhat unfair to say, hey, in year three, you have to win this game, but it is year three. And, and a team like Mississippi State, uh, to your point, Chris Clark, uh, that that has lost a little bit of momentum, maybe lost a little bit of confidence, especially Will, Will Rogers, you got to win this game. Yeah, and again, joined by Chris Pascal, Goins Law Firm here, um, also columnist on Gamecock Central. And, uh, I mean, credit to the Gamecock fan base too, man. Like, they're, they're, this game has been sold out for a long time. This, you know, the Furman game even was uh, – I actually watched the game with Chris. And this was not one of those kind of on-paper sellouts where you get there and, you know, we see it all over sports. A sellout, and then you have a sellout where, you know, it's packed. And I, I thought to be an FCS opponent playing Furman – that was an electric atmosphere, and I expect the same plus a little more tomorrow. So the fans are here. The fans are tuning in. They're bringing the energy, and uh, I do think it's important because this is, you know, for such a tough schedule that South Carolina's playing this year, at least when you compare this game to some of the other ones, this is one of the easier ones you have. You catch Mississippi State at a good time. For once, it kind of sets up in the Gamecocks' favor which uh, I think you have to just take advantage of that. But, um, Pascal, also this – I don't call it a rivalry, but this series, South Carolina-Mississippi State, Gamecocks haven't played these guys since 2016. But I know you being a longtime Gamecock fan, this thing has had some awesome memories over the years. Uh, you know, you, you, of course, had the fade. You had um, actually 20 um, – 22 years ago, earlier this week, was when South Carolina and Mississippi State um, held the flag at midfield as the first major college football game after the 9-11 terrorist attacks. And to, to be a to be two teams that don't really play a ton, like I find myself with kind of those etched-in memories about these two programs. So uh, what, what maybe stands out to you just about these two teams historically? I think some of that is – again, we're talking about from the fan perspective, something that's interesting is that the fans almost to, to um, a certain degree have very similar qualities where uh, Ole Miss is certainly not Clemson, um, but Ole Miss has had the upper hand in that rivalry for, for decades now. Um, and so to, to have that kind of in-state rivalry similar to, to the Palmetto Bowl where um, you know, Carolina Clemson, where Carolina's struggled for for years, obviously, hopefully now back on the uptick. Um, I think you, it adds a little bit of uh, a little bit of grit, a little bit of um, a little bit of toughness to the fan bases. So um, I'm glad that the series is starting back up, um, at least somewhat to a certain degree. 
Uh, obviously, that 2016 game, I think that was well, that was a Brandon McIlwain game, and uh, Carolina scored a late touchdown at the end. That was a, obviously a, a bad game to watch. I had a couple of buddies that actually went out to Starkville for that, and um, I think they had a tough tough drive home. But um, you know, I think it, it's a game that uh, it's it's rare for South Carolina to have a opponent that is either in similar position or maybe in a worse position in terms of always being the underdog, always having um, to kind of prove itself on the SEC stage and a national stage. And so to be able to to have an opponent like that is, is kind of rare. And I think it's um, something that hopefully we take advantage of. I know we've the past couple of years have thrived as the underdog, especially as a, a major underdog, but to be able to try and um, be the favorite, be at home, um, be in a position where we're actually supposed to, to, or a lot of people favor us to win the game, um, going out there and actually proving that. So, uh, yeah, we haven't played since 2016, uh, but I, I'm hoping that this is going to be a good rendition of the uh, somewhat of a rivalry. Chris, I want to get your take on recruiting real quick. So I'm going to take us away from the game a little bit. I know you've certainly been a proponent of NIL fans getting involved. I know you follow recruiting very closely. Uh, we all have a group text, so we hear your thoughts on recruiting very often um, at, at, interesting, <laughs> at interesting times of day. But, um, you know, look, man, I was telling somebody this the other day. Honestly, we can talk about a lot of things like coaching, right? Coaching hires. We're always going to dissect play calls after a game, strategy, schemes, at the end of the day, if you make college football simple, and even coaches say this a lot, it really does come down to the team that has the best players more often than not wins, right? Those other things matter. Culture matters, uh, development, coaching, all that stuff does matter. But if you just kind of check out, I mean, Kirby Smart does a great job. He's hard to beat right now because they recruit well, they develop well. He's a great motivator, right? It's kind of the total package, and he's proven that. But if you go look at the recruiting rankings, their worst class was in 2016. It was number 11. Other than that, they've got a few number one classes. They got a few number two classes. They dropped precipitously to number three one year, right? So they they load up talent. So I don't know. Just long-winded way of asking, what have been your thoughts on Shane Beamer's recruiting efforts? Um, what do you think needs to happen this season for them to be able to kind of? keep this 24 class at the right trajectory and then be able to go add in the transfer portal and with high school recruits. The fact that Carolina currently has a, according to on three, the superior uh, recruiting service. Uh, the fact that <laughs> Carolina has a five-star defensive lineman committed and a five-star offensive lineman committed. I wrote um, back last summer um, in summer of 2022 uh, that this is the way you build a roster. That's how Kirby has built his roster. Obviously, how Saban's built his roster. You've got to recruit on the lines of scrimmage. And the fact that we have two five-stars committed right now, obviously you see how uh, Tree has already been put into the starting lineup. You see how um, Trovon Ball, I, th- I think he goes by Tro now. I've, I've uh, kind of picked up on that. But um, the, <laughs> fact that, the fact that they've already been put on in the lineup, Marquis Anderson was going to be put into the lineup. Um I think is is a a strong indication. Um, I think less so of how the older players um, may not be as talented or as um, able bodied to to play the position, but more so that we've been recruiting really well in the line of scrimmage, and um, I think that trend is continuing, and it's crucial. 
I was talking to somebody last night um, that right now I think we're almost out recruiting. And I know it's kind of the quiet part that you don't want to say out loud, but we're almost out recruiting um, where we're at in NIL. And I think we're getting better in NIL. I think we're good in NIL. Um, and I think it's, it's something that we're definitely improving on and, and in a fine position for. But when you're recruiting five-star talents and getting commitments from five-star talents and blue-chip recruits, high four-stars, um, to your point, Chris, kind of circling back to you about me being involved in NIL, I think it's crucial that we get involved in, with in NIL as a fan base and that we contribute to these collections, less so in terms of buying players. Um, you know, obviously you hear a lot of rumors about um, programs buying players, certain programs different than others uh, or more so than others, but to be able to protect your roster. And when uh, Auburn comes knocking on the door or when Alabama comes knocking on the door or Georgia or Michigan or whoever comes knocking on the door, um, we have the resources and the NIL support to be able to say, listen, man, we appreciate you. And even more so than saying it, we're going to show it with with how we're able to compensate you in NIL. So those two things go hand in hand. And right now um, it's more so um, protecting and preserving what Beamer's doing and this entire staff is doing in terms of recruiting, less so in terms of using as an inducement. Um, I'm not obviously saying that it needs to be an inducement for recruiting, but to be able to protect and preserve and help Beamer in his recruitment and to keep the the – roster um, intact in the offseason is crucial. I think we're definitely recruiting at a high level, but um, it's going to be crucial in these next couple of offseasons um, to show that these players, not only can you come here because you want to come here, but that you stay here because there's um, there's not a greener pasture somewhere else. Pascal, uh, final thing I got, man, uh, I mentioned it off top. Uh, the verdict comes out every week on Gamecock Central. If you don't read it, you need to read it. This week you said don't let the Georgia Bulldogs beat you twice if you were South Carolina. So um, I, I guess you want to tell the people a little bit more about that and what do you expect to see South Carolina versus Mississippi State tomorrow night, Williams-Brice Stadium? The, uh, something that I'd, I'd heard a ton in the offseason, I know y'all had heard a ton in the offseason, is that even though you're not supposed to, even though you're supposed to say the next game – is the most important and in the offseason, it being the first game being the most important. And I'm not trying to say that um, South Carolina overlooked North Carolina at all. North Carolina played a great game and South Carolina um, was really trying to figure out on the fly how, <laughs> with the situation on not only uh, the offensive line, but somewhat of the defense. But in the offseason, we heard a ton um, that the game of the year and the game that a lot of these players circled was Georgia and that they wanted to avenge what happened in Williams-Price in 2022. And even in a loss, I think they somewhat did that. There's obviously um, no moral victories in the SEC, but um, they obviously competed and they were prepared and they believed that they could win. When you have a tough loss like that, I actually was at Georgia for the game, and I stayed um, – we were in one of those, uh, those sky suites, and so we stayed a little bit after the game, and uh, – and I actually watched on field the post-game show that Todd Ellis does with Coach Beamer. And um, you could see Coach Beamer walking off the field. This one, he, every loss hurts him because he's such a competitor, but this one hurt. And I think a lot of players you saw that this one hurt. And, um, you know, they'd, they'd really invested in trying to win this game. When you have a game like that and when you have a loss that hurts that much, you can't let it bleed into the next week. And I don't think it will. I think it helps that that you have another SEC opponent. I think it helps it's at Williams-Brice Stadium. I think it helps it's a night game. I think it helps that 
you have a losing record right now and you're trying to get back to 500. Um, but you can't let the emotion and the fatigue of a, of a loss like they had last week um, bleed into this week. It's almost, I almost think that if we had gotten killed last week, it'd be easier for them to get up for this game. Um, if their mind wasn't right already, um, then having a close loss, but um, I'm hoping that, and, and I believe that the staff will have everybody dialed in and the leadership on the team will be dialed in, but that's what I meant by it. I mean, you can't, can't let a close loss to Georgia bleed into the next week when you have a, a capable, um, while maybe an underdog, you have a capable uh, Mississippi State team coming in. So uh, that's that's kind of what I meant by that. My prediction, um, it's so tough to, to predict SEC games. Um, I think we win, and I think we, we have a chance that if things go the right way, we keep Rattler clean, um, that we could win by multiple, multiple possessions, multiple scores. Um, but you had Bo Bounds on. I wasn't able to listen, but I know you had Bo Bounds on before. I've followed him for years, um, and I'm sure he was hitting on the fact that not only is Marks um, a hell of a running back for Mississippi State, a guy that I wish we – it sounded like maybe he was thinking about coming here, maybe not coming here. Dylan Johnson, I know, was also kind of in the transfer portal. But um, Marks is a hell of a running back, and so we got to be able to, to um, try and uh, build on what we had last week, which I thought was a decent – um, performance, even if the stats didn't show it, a decent performance in run defense. So um, that's going to be that's going to be crucial. If we can stop the run, and we can slow down Marks, and if Mark um, Mike Wright gets some playing time, I wrote that earlier this week. I don't know if um, anybody else has been been mentioning that, but I'm nervous that they're going to pull a 20, uh, 21 Vanderbilt and put Mike Wright in there. Um, if they have a running quarterback and they have Marks in the backfield, they're going to try and s- simplify the game, slow the game down, have fewer possessions. Um, and so I think it's going to be imperative that our run defense shows up. I think our offense will be fine, but our run defense has to show up. And if so, I think we can win by a couple possessions. Pascal, great stuff, man. Um, we'll, we'll save one for you here at Still Hands. And uh, if we don't see you later today, we'll uh, – God's bright out here. Y'all see that? Uh, y'all, y'all maybe can't see us at all. Hopefully y'all can still hear us just fine. Uh, Pascal, appreciate you, man. And, again, uh, that was brought to you by our friends at Goings Law Firm. Um, what, what y'all got going on over there, Chris? Well, you know, I've missed like 15 calls. I don't know if you've been able to hear this, but hopefully uh, everything's going all right. It looks like I, need, I got some voicemails and some calls I need to make. So, uh, uh, but always can make time for you guys. I appreciate it. They, they probably just saw you on the podcast. <laughs> right. to tell you uh, how well you were doing. That's so, right. That's uh, right. All right, man. We appreciate you, dude. We'll talk to you soon, okay? Appreciate it, guys. Yep. Chris Pascal. Check out his column, The Verdict on Gamecock Central. I mean, it's the brightest. Plus, I'm, I'm fully whitewashed. I'm not even here right now. But this is the brightest also, it has also, ever been. Also, uh, we kept our – this is the sides we're normally on, on the show. And I have been uh, relegated to the extreme sun for the entire show. So, you owe me one. Uh, Sorry. Next time next time we'll have to switch spots. But I'll throw the entire show off. So yeah, we, can't do we can't do the show like can't that. Do the show like that. Uh, we got 10 minutes. What do you want to talk about? Well, I uh, when Chris was talking about – kind of not letting Georgia beat you twice. If there's one thing that Shane, Shane Beamer showed a bunch of things, in my opinion, uh, during his tenure at South Carolina, but if, if you could pick out one, less that I think is very timely to talk about right now, you know, there have been a lot of ups and downs uh, during his time at South Carolina. We talked about this in depth the other day. You look at the 2021 season, you know, you, you lose to one team, then you go beat Auburn. Then you lose to another team. Then you beat Florida by 23, right? There, 
There's a lot of ups and downs 2022 season. Same way, right? There have already been some ups and downs this season. Your, your only real up was, you know, first half of the Georgia game, you still lost. Uh, the Furman game was, was a good win. It was fine, right? It was North fun. Carolina, very disappointing. So you got to create more of those moments, but he has shown a propensity when people have written off his team and said, this is what the team is. They said, no, 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 that, that's not what the team is. We're actually this. So I know that for Shane Beamer, Luke Day has, talks about it a lot. They've wanted to stack more consistent moments. That hasn't always happened, um, but he is good at motivating his team. Zach Arnett from Mississippi State, look, they are in a similar situation, right? They, they're they 2-1, and one, haven't beaten anybody. I mean, Arizona, right, decently. He actually had a good line in his press conference Monday, never waste a failure, right? I really like that line. Um, South Carolina, Mississippi State, in the same kind of boat, right? Very disappointing. Played terribly the Mississippi State against LSU. Gamecocks came away from Georgia not feeling like, hey, we got whooped. They actually came off the field feeling like we missed an opportunity there, right? They, they were toe-to-toe with them. So I think both those teams had different kinds of failures in the last game. But it'll be, you know, the team that wins this week, it'll be about which one can, you know, regroup the best and just go play better football. Never waste a failure. Hmm. I'd, I've, I've not heard that one. That's a good one. Pretty good. Um, and, and I do think, man, in terms of it affecting South Carolina going into this week, I – I don't think Georgia game affects them. No. You know, I, I, I think they've moved on. I think they're fine. And I, I think they're looking at it, frankly, and saying what I know they're sitting there saying, we missed a chance to. Well, well listen to, I mean, go back to what how Rattler was after the game. Again, that, that, I, I went back recently and watched the press conference from him after the Missouri game last year. And he was, now Spencer, if he was sitting right there, might disagree if he was sitting here. He was a little bit more at a loss maybe mm-hmm. after the Georgia game he was like oh I mean we just you know we just screwed up this or that like he said we should have won the game like he is still extremely confident I, I don't yeah. think I think if anything this team again they're walk they walked away from the Georgia game not saying we're a bad football team they walked away saying we're a good football team that needs to figure some things out and so that's that's the kind of confidence you want your team to have yeah for sure man and I, I think he uh he, he's played with an innate confidence uh, all year, really dating back to the end of last year, too, man. Um, all right, before we go any further, we got to tell everybody about our good friends at Liberty Tax. Um, give them a call, 803-462-5576. Larry and our friends at Liberty Tax will take care of you. There will be no tax anxiety whatsoever to speak of, Chris. It is currently not tax time, but... Uh, you can go ahead and get a head start if you own a small business or if you have had like a lot of life changes that are going to change your tax picture. You may want to go ahead and, and get an early idea of what those changes might have in terms of effect on your tax picture. So give Liberty Tax a call, 803-462-5576. And of course, save that for later on when it does become tax time. Um We've already kind of given final predictions all over the place. They're on Gamecock Central. We gave them on 107.5. Both of us have South Carolina winning. Um, I have them winning by 10. I said 31-21. You have it a little bit closer. What did you say? 24-20 South Carolina. You got a little more low scoring. Um, I'm I'm very curious to see the flow of this game. And, and kind of just how, how does it play out? Like what's the um, – 
who who starts fastest? Can Rattler get going early? Does Marks get going early for them? And I'm also curious to see, do we start to really see more South Carolina rotation? And I know everybody wants to see a little more Nick Harbor, but for me, I'm saying, are we going to see, you know, does Trowball make his first career start at right guard? Do we see a little bit more, you know, of, of Bam Mart Scott and Pup Howard at linebacker? Do we, you know, does Judge Collier continue to play a little bit more at corner? Who are your other options at safety that they, they feel like they can count on to come in and take a couple snaps away from some of these other guys? We saw David Spalding get back in there against Georgia, but does his role – continue to grow as he gets closer and closer to 100%. And then speaking of 100%, do, do we get an Amarian Brown who's kind of just out there, out there but not himself? Or do we get an AB who is the – what I believe the guy that was developing into being a true difference maker for this team? Yeah, I mean, it's a that's a key question, actually, Wes, because if he's not – then you're in a role where you've got Xavier Leggett and some question marks, to be quite frank. And now Omega Blake showed some things. There's some guys. But they played Georgia, you know, without they, – they didn't have their full, like, spectrum of players, right, except for a little while. So it's going to affect this team to not have that. If your strength is the passing game and then you're creating question marks in the passing game, it's not what you want. So Shane Beamer kind of alluded to all those guys – Talking about a Marion Brown and some others, JT Gear, Tyree Johnson, defense. Now they'll be out there. They're not 100, percent but I think the key is Wes. Is it more of an Marion Brown who can make some plays for you, as opposed to just he plays 20 snaps and and you don't even really see what he does during mm-hmm. the game? They they need a healthy or close to AB. If you're watching the game at home and you're not number watching like we do and personnel watching, you need to be able to say, I know he played in the game, basically, yeah, yeah, as basically, opposed yeah. to saying, wait, did he play? Yeah. And um, so make an impact. Again, uh, he is well on his way, I think, to breaking out before the injury. So um, certainly you hope for him and for this team that he can get back to 100% here pretty soon. Um, great day of football ahead tomorrow. If you got a, If you got a TV at your tailgate, you may need two. If you don't normally have a TV at your tailgate, you may need to try to make it happen because great games of football tomorrow. Um, It's going to be a fun day. We got more content about to go up on Gamecock Central. But for Chris and I, I think we're out, man. What do you think? Uh, Should we tell the people real quick, remind them about Hollywood Fan Fest tonight? Yes. Out here at Steel Hands. We should do that. Uh, I think they're getting starting to get fired up right behind us, actually. I heard some drumming, Wes. There was some drumming going on. But, yeah, Follywood Productions, um, Mississippi State versus South Carolina Weekend, Parents Weekend here in Columbia West, 4 to 11 p.m. So in about an hour from now, free admission, open to the public, all ages. Today at Steel Hens Brewing out here in Casey on Foreman Street, Gritty Flyright and the Music Family, Gamecock alums are going to be playing from 8 to 10. Before that will be Mississippi Shakedown with Holly Rombarger, Terry Powell, who's a very entertaining guy. Mississippi State alum. He'll be speaking. Jeremy Smith from Garnet Trust will also be giving an update on Gamecock NIL. There is an oyster roast, Wes. It's right across from us here. Hasn't started yet. Otherwise, I'll show off some oysters. It will begin at 5 p.m. So come check it out. Uh, Mississippi State and South Carolina fans kind of joining together to have a little fan fest here at Steel Hands. Or to fight it out. 
Nah, everybody's going to be good. Okay. Everybody will behave, and it'll be good times out here at Steel Hands. Try this new Doppelbach when you come out here. Good stuff. Yeah, we got a lot going on tonight. It'll be fun, as always. Great space here at Steel Hands. And the best thing about Steel Hands, among many things, is uh, other than the drinks, is you can go sit inside in the AC yeah. if you want. You can sit out here if you want. You can sit in front of the big fans over there if you want. Lots of options for you here at Still Hands Brewing. So, um, Robert says, first time catching live. Hey, shout out, Robert. Appreciate you, man. Do it more often. We, uh, we're live every, pretty much every day at 2, except for Tuesday, which uh, is at 7 with Mike Yuva. So, Robert, hit the subscribe button on YouTube, man. Appreciate you joining in. Appreciate everybody joining in. Hope you all have a great weekend. Should be a great weekend of football. We've enjoyed it all week long. We'll see what happens Saturday night at williams Bryce Stadium. For Chris, I'm Wes. We'll see you all soon.